everyone and welcome back to The InDesigner, the video cast that provides information, instruction and insight for designers using and learning Adobe InDesign. I'm your host Michael Murphy, graphic designer and Adobe certified expert in InDesign CS3. And this is episode 51, which is coming to you on September 23rd, 2008, the day that Adobe announces the Creative Suite 4, which of course includes InDesign CS4. Now, it's been about three months since my last podcast, and maybe the room in which I'm standing might give you some indication as to why things have been a little bit slow for me on the podcast side these days. It's not just CS4, it's that um, one day after Adobe's announcement is my wife's due date, and this room will be home to the next generation of InDesign user, a little baby girl that we're expecting. So, things have been a little bit crazy on my end, uh, but besides my new baby, Adobe's got a new baby, and that's CS4, and we're going to take a look at a few features in InDesign CS4 that I really like, and there'll be more to come in the upcoming episodes. So let's get started. So here's a first look at InDesign CS4, and it wouldn't be a Creative Suite upgrade if it didn't include a modified user interface. If CS3's new look and feel was a major facelift, this time around it's more like an eye job and a little bit of work on the chin and cheekbones. Much of what you've gotten used to in CS3 is still here, but the panels and docks have a subtly different appearance. There are, however, a few more significant changes to the UI that bear mentioning. First, InDesign CS4 now allows tabbed viewing when multiple documents are open. This keeps the workspace nice and organized and avoids the need to keep moving separate windows out of the way to get to a document in the background. If you prefer a bunch of separate windows, simply go to Window, Arrange, Float All in Windows. To return to tabbed viewing, just choose Consolidate All Windows. But there are more viewing modes available from yet another new addition to the UI, the application bar. Here Adobe has added what they call the N-Up viewing options. Contextual icons let you choose how to arrange the windows based on the number of windows you have open. You can view documents 2-Up, 3-Up, 4-Up in a grid, 4-Up with one document window larger than the others, and so on then just consolidate all windows to go back to tabbed viewing again. The application bar has a few other goodies too. An icon for launching Adobe Bridge or bringing it to the foreground. And you can see here that Bridge looks a little bit different too. The information in its panes is much easier to read than the white text on black presentation of CS3. You can see the current zoom level and other zoom options page viewing options including baseline grid and hidden characters, a menu of custom and preset workspaces, and a field for initiating searches within the application's help files. Something new for Mac users that Windows users are quite used to is something called the application frame, which contains the entire application, its panels, and all open documents into a single window that can be moved around in one easy step. I work with a dual monitor setup and this is a great way to quickly move my entire InDesign work environment to the other screen. It's also great for just hiding or minimizing the entire application at once instead of one document window at a time. Okay, enough of the superficial stuff. Let's see what's been added to make our work faster and all of our lives easier, starting with one of my favorite new features, Smart Guides. 
In this layout, I have an arrangement of photos that I've painstakingly arranged in CS3 so that they all line up and have equal amounts of space in between them. This involved pulling out a lot of ruler guides, using the align tools, and zooming in a lot. I'm going to start this over and see how much easier this is to do with smart guides in CS4. First, I'll select the four images I want to add to the layout using the multi-file place feature that was added to CS3 command or control clicking to select discontinuous images in this folder. I get my loaded image cursor and I'll use the arrow keys to choose the first image I want to place. Pay attention to what's going on as I drag out a frame for this first image. No matter how I jiggle my cursor around up or down, it's maintaining the proportions of my incoming image. It's also continuously showing me the percentage to which the image will be scaled at the current frame size. When I release the mouse, the image is placed in a proportional frame and already sized to fit. My next image is loaded automatically, and take a close look at the cursor as I move it near the existing image. The point goes from solid to hollow when it's near enough to an adjacent object, so it's going to line these two up automatically. When I click and drag out the frame, it's also proportional, but it now gives me a line when the right edge of my image hits the midpoint of the top image, and when I get out here, I get a smart guide indicator that my images are now lined up. When I click, I've got two perfectly positioned images. Let's keep going. With the third image, again I get my hollow pointer when I get near the other objects. And as I drag out the proportional frame, I get smart guides at the height of the first image, at any other possible alignment points along the way, and finally when they line up at the bottom. I'll drag out the fourth image to that same height, and it's lined up perfectly too. I want to crop the image in the middle, so I'll shift it over in its frame, then make the frame narrower. Now my spacing between the frames is inconsistent, but watch as I drag the last image closer to the middle one. Another smart guide indicator appears to show me that my spacing between images matches up again. If I want the whole composition centered on the page, Smart Guides can help me there too. With all of the images selected, watch as I drag them around the page. Additional Smart Guides pop up when the selection is horizontally centered on the page, and when it's vertically centered. So there's the whole arrangement laid out with mathematical precision using CS4's new Smart Guides feature. That's going to save me a lot of time in the future. While I'm in this layout, let me show off a few new features that are a reflection of Adobe's mission to bridge the gap between its print and web applications. Specifically, I'm talking about the ability to export InDesign layouts to two different Flash formats. In CS4, the Pages panel has a new option, Page Transitions. From there, I can choose to assign page transitions that'll be used when this layout is exported as an SWF file. The dialog for this shows me a simple preview of the different transitions as I roll over them. I'm going to choose a simple fade, make sure that Apply to All Spreads is checked, then click OK. In the Page Transitions panel, I can set the speed of the fade to slow, medium, or fast. And now I'm ready to export this file directly to the SWF format, which is one of the new file format options available in the Export dialog box. Next, I have options for sizing the SWF file and which pages I want to export. By default, InDesign will generate an HTML page to display the SWIFT file, which will open up in my browser automatically. 
There are a number of other options here that I'll skip for the time being. InDesign will churn away for a bit. Then my browser opens and there's my layout as a Swift file in the browser itself. When I hover over the far edges or corners, I get this automatic interactive page curl effect. And if I click, you see my fade transition that was set in InDesign. In addition, I can quite literally turn the page by clicking and holding on that interactive curl and dragging over to physically turn the page. This is great for fast, easy conversion of print layouts to SWF files, but CS4 offers even more. Another export option to the new Adobe Flash CS4 Pro or XLF format. Instead of a lockdown Swift file, this option gives you a fully editable file that can be opened in Flash and enhanced with all of the interactivity, action scripting, and animation that that application makes possible. Each InDesign spread is converted to a movie clip in a Flash timeline, and then you or a Flash developer can go to town and turn your print layouts into rich media experiences. If I had to pick a favorite CS4 feature, this would be it. InDesign has had nested styles since CS1, and grep was added to find change in CS3. CS4 combines the two principles and allows you to nest and automatically apply character styles based on patterns in your text, no matter where in the paragraph that pattern appears. If you steered clear of grep in CS3, or played around with it but never quite took it all the way, now there's no excuse not to. Grep styles require no unique triggers like through one sentence or up to one end space, and they are 100% customizable. Let's take a look at this example from a book I'm working on about InDesign CS4. In it, I refer to a lot of the menu paths where certain features can be found like file open or object corner options. I need those menu paths to stand out, so I have a character style for that, but I don't want to apply that style everywhere manually, and because I don't know where in the paragraph they'll appear, or what the actual text will be, I can't rely on standard nested styles. But I've got one thing I do know, that they all appear within parentheses and contain at least one greater than sign, like so. What I want to do is apply my menu paths character style to any text that appears within parentheses and contains a greater than sign. Grep styles let me do that. I'm going to go quickly through this because I don't have time to explain grep in depth, but I want you to see just what can be done. If I edit this paragraph style and go to the new grep style options, the interface is pretty simple. First, I'll click new grep style then choose an existing character style from the Apply Style menu. If I haven't already created a character style, CS4 adds a great new option. I can create a new character style right from here. But I'm going to choose my existing inline menu paths style. After that, I add a grep pattern in the To Text field. I have one in the clipboard just to move things along, so I'm just going to paste it in here. And what this grep pattern says is any one or more characters, followed by a greater than sign, followed by any one or more characters, but only if they're preceded by an opening parentheses, and only if they're followed by a closing parentheses. That describes every menu path I could ever put in there. There are no actual words here. It doesn't matter what the text is, only that it matches this pattern. Take a look up here when I click Preview. The type within the parentheses has my inline menu path style applied to it. 
I'll save this and let's see how well this really works. If I type another menu path in parentheses in this paragraph like object anchored object options the style is applied automatically because it matches the pattern. Notice that this first one only has two menu levels but this one has three and it doesn't matter. It works for both. The style is applied until it hits that closing parentheses. This is some serious text automation power. While I'm talking about styles, I should also mention that CS4 now includes nested line styles. So you can set a character style to run through a certain number of lines. And no matter how much you change the text or resize the column, as the text reflows, that character style will just look at how many lines it has to be applied to and maintain that perfectly throughout your document. There's a lot more in InDesign CS4 to talk about, more than I can possibly get to in one episode. CS4 also sports a brand new links panel, a live pre-flight feature that constantly checks your document against a fully customizable output profile, an improved hyperlinks panel, and a new buttons panel. Cross-references have finally been added, and there's a new conditional text feature that allows for the creation of multiple versions of a document where certain text is swapped out depending on the intended output. That's it for this episode. I'll be back as soon as possible with a new episode, a look at some more new CS4 features, and maybe some baby pictures. In the meantime, feel free to post your questions or comments about this or any other episode on the blog at www.theindesigner.com, email me at info at or look for me on AIM or iChat as The InDesigner. Just a reminder, my InDesign CS3 Masterclass for Designers is being offered two more times in 2008 by EEI Communications on the dates shown here. You can link to more information about these classes from the Classes and Seminars page on the blog. Until next time, this is Michael Murphy for the InDesigner Video Podcast. Thanks for watching.